All right, so here we are in this study. If you haven't been with us the last couple weeks, you're on the tail end of a four-week study called Heart Healthy Christians. Uh, what, what is this? This is an overview look, what, we, what some might term as a biblical theology uh, from the beginning of our Bibles to the end of our Bibles, kind of the overarching narrative of the Bible in regards to the heart. What does God say about our hearts? And very practically, this has been more or less a spiritual EKG for every single one of us. What is the condition of our hearts before God? Heart-healthy Christians, what are we talking about? Well, as we've clearly been observing through the scriptures, this. Every single human being has been born with a physical heart. If you did not have your physical heart, you would not be sitting there right now. Your brain could not function. The rest of your body could not function if your heart was not beating. That's just how God made us. Everything we do runs through the centrality of our system, and that is our beating heart. Well, just as all of us have been created with a physical heart, God has created all of us with a spiritual heart. This is the innermost being of you. We talk about the physical heart. We're talking about who you really are on the inside. The center of your unseen person. A lot of times we're so good at masking that, putting a, a good outer facade on. And here's the story of the Bible. Constantly through the Bible, it's, it's look beyond the outward and go right to the heart. In fact, what is said in the whole narrative of King David and King Saul and the choosing of King David, man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. This is the story of our Bibles. God is wanting to go straight to that heart. And when we set up these religious structures on the outside and, say, outside and say, I'm good, I'm good because I dress this way or I look this way or everything about me is put together. And it's like the scripture is saying constantly over and over and over and over again. Well, where's your heart? What's the condition of that spiritual heart beating inside of you? Well, this last couple of weeks, we've looked at this. We started with origins. As we traveled through the Bible, we looked at the origins, creation and fall, and we looked at the corruption of the heart. From there, we went to God's Old Testament people, and as we traveled all the way through the Old Testament, kind of a room overview of the Old Testament flew overhead, we saw that there are practical struggles of the human heart because of its corruption. We continued on. We saw last week what a joy it was to see how Jesus, the promised rescuer, when he came onto the scene, born of a virgin, he came as the promised Messiah. And right away, you see in his teachings, he confronts the heart. Then ultimately, how Jesus Christ confronts the heart is through the cross. Last week we saw that Jesus paid the debt that we could not pay for our sinful hearts. And where did he pay that debt? On that glorious cross. Today we're going to continue on and sort of look at the, the back half of our Bibles in the New Testament. <clears throat> Spend more time. We are going to touch on some of the promises of the Old Testament. But we're going to 
We're going to go mostly in the epistles. This is the direct teaching to God's church. And what we're going to look at today is the transformation of this heart. All right, so we've looked at the corruption of the heart, the struggles of the heart, the confrontation of the heart. Today, we want to close out this study with looking at the transformation of our heart. And here's the key truth that we want to dial in on today. Through the gracious ministry of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Every true believer will experience both the joys and responsibilities of a transformed heart. Okay, let's kind of pick this key truth apart a little bit, starting with that first phrase. Through the gracious ministry of the Trinity. What are we talking about? What is this? All right, very simply, here's the point. This is the fact that all three persons of the Trinity, God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all involved in the transformation of your heart. I think we can clearly see this as we return to that passage that you have on your lap right now. Romans chapter 5. Uh, let's look at two verses. And like I said, I'm going to introduce a lot of verses today. And the intention is really that you see these, but maybe that you take them home and dig in a little deeper into these texts. Well, let's go to Romans 5. We looked at it last week, and by God's grace, in this next year, we're going to dig very deep into the book of Romans as we walk all the way through the book of Romans. But Romans chapter 5, a chapter consumed with our declaration of righteousness known as justification, we find here Romans 5, verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame, particularly through tribulation, previous verses, but here it is, because... God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. All right, so we have God's love through the Holy Spirit. Now verse 6. For while we were still sinners, some of your translations will say weak. But the fact that matters, you look through the context, it's sinners. While you were still sinners at the right time, who died for the ungodly? Christ. So right here we see the work of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and reaching deep into our lives and fixing our hearts. Clearly, all three members of the triune God are actively involved in the transformation of the heart for every true believer. Each one of those words is intentionally chosen. I want to be clear that we are not talking about a special subset of believers, more or less a higher life level group of believers who are privileged to have their hearts transformed by the Spirit. No. We are talking, as is clear through the Scriptures, about every true believer who has come to Jesus Christ by true faith. That's what we are talking about. That's who we are talking about. This true faith is so clearly described by multiple texts in the New Testament as being a repentant true uh, faith. This is a faith that confesses that Jesus is not just this good guy that came and did some really cool miracles and did a really neat re like rescuing ministry. No, this is the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
That is the text of the scriptures. And in fact, I want to look at that in Romans chapter 10. On the back of your handout, notice very clearly this. Talking about this true faith, we find here in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is a really good person and believe in your heart that God rose... No. That's not what it says. If you confess in your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one, con one confesses and is saved. This is teaching true faith, repentant faith. This is what brings us into relationship with God is faith. But it is an authentic faith, a faith that James clearly describes through his entire book. This is not some superficial faith. It is true, authentic, deep faith that confesses Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, how does Paul talk more about this transformation? I love how he talks about this transformation through genuine faith in Ephesians chapter 3, also on the back of your handout. Verses 14 through 19. This relationship is for true believers who've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Every true believer. And I love how Paul says it to this, this church, Ephesus. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he might, may grant you to be strengthened with his power through his spirit in your inner being. You go right to the heart. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell or be at home in your hearts through what? Faith. It's for every true believer. And I, I closed out that on your handout, but I, I can't stop from reading the rest of verse 17 and 18. Okay, here it goes. Hold on. Through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Brothers and sisters, that's every true believer. Not some simple subset of believers. Every true believer has been permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. That's who we're talking about. So this transformation is through the gracious ministry of the Trinity for every true believer, and it brings with it both the joys and responsibilities of a transformed heart. Okay, this is not you know, rocket science here. In fact, this is so practical for everyday life. Joys and responsibilities. That transformed heart that the Holy Spirit of God does in our lives through faith in Jesus Christ brings with it a whole bucket load of joy. I mean, it's overflowing with joy. In fact, if you don't have that joy, something's broken. <laughs> All right? Because it clearly says in Galatians 5, a fruit of this Spirit is love, joy. All right. Now we've got that settled. Um, joy and responsibilities. I think about this. This last week, one of my daughter Kara's, wherever she's at, uh, somewhere in this room, she's hiding because she knew it's her 16th birthday tomorrow. I want to mention that as much as I can, Kara. All right. Um, 
All right, so last week one of her friends came by the house, this dude, uh, nice guy. Uh, he had been working on this convertible BMW. It was new to, new to him, but it, it took some work, and he brought it to the house. It was really cool. And my mind went back to the days many, 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 many years ago as a 16-year-old boy when my neighbor had this black F-150 short bed truck that I adored. I prayed for years that God would give me this truck. He answered my prayer. <laughs> and I, it, was, it was crazy. Uh, it's a crazy flow of events, but somehow I ended up, I mean, through an inheritance that was given to my parents, through someone that died, um, all of a sudden we had this money. At the same time, this guy put his truck for sale, and I needed a truck. We needed an extra vehicle to drive around. So this truck I prayed for for years was now in our possession. Chromed out, V8, 302, a little bit of a lift look to it. And I'm like, yeah! The joys of a 16-year-old dude driving around this truck was awesome. But I'm going to tell you, with this joy came a massive amount of that other word. Responsibilities. All right, 16 year old dude, you better change that oil. You better check those tires. You better keep this thing clean. Um, you, you better, I mean, there's so much more to it. I used this truck for about 10 years and, and paid my way through college because we started a lawnmowing business and all of that stuff. We plowed snow with this truck. We, we worked that truck into the ground. It was an awesome truck. But with it came that responsibility, even the responsibility of knowing when I'm driving that thing, there's other cars that are driving with me, and they've got cool lights on top. And they're not Christmas lights. <laughs> All right. So I'm driving. I better watch out because there's others. I need to obey the law. So with the joy came the responsibility. This is very practical. The same type of joy responsibility that I have observed in my son David through Christmas. From Christmas, he received uh, a 22 rifle. And the smile on his face that he could throw lead into the little mound and into all the ground squirrels on our property just thrills my heart. But buddy, with this joy comes a massive amount of responsibility. If that barrel in any way comes close to pointing to any person, done! <laughs> The gun is no longer yours type thing. Uh, and dad is going to help you in reminding you about this gun control. All right? With the joy comes responsibilities. Brothers and sisters, friends, that's not too far from where we're at in the story of the Bible. With the joy of a transformed heart comes the responsibility of keeping that heart clean by God's grace. Of one day at a time, getting up and pursuing personal purity and holiness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God's changed my heart. So today I'm going to live differently, and next day I'm going to live differently, and the next day. That's what we're talking about. Both the joys and the responsibility of a transformed heart. And those are the two points we're going to dial in on today. Let's start with the first one there. Connect some of these dots by looking at this one. Every true believer will experience the joys of a permanently transformed heart. Oh, yes. Every true believer will to some degree or another experience the joys of a permanently transformed heart because the Spirit's at work in our hearts. In other words, every true believer will experience a 
Positional heart change. Okay, that's a theological term that we need to embrace. Positionally, our hearts have been changed. What do I mean by that? This is such a radical change that when God sees our heart, He no longer sees, catch this, He no longer sees the corruption of Adam plaguing our hearts. The sin of Adam plaguing our hearts. No, no, no. When God sees our hearts, He sees the righteousness of Christ that has transformed our hearts from the inside out. Subsequently, Subsequently, through the Holy Spirit, He now brings this joy of a right standing before Him. A joy that the wicked one hates to see and will terrorize in every aspect of your life. So, where do we start when we want to connect these dots? Well, let's go quickly in anticipation uh, back to the Old Testament and look at the anticipation of what's going to happen in the New Testament. We won't spend a lot of time because we've already kind of done this. Uh, but what about the Old Testament as it anticipates what's going to happen in the New Testament? So let's go to Ezekiel chapter 36. It's in the back of your hand, handout. I want us to look at this passage because the prophet Ezekiel says something to God's disobedient people in Ezekiel. He promises them something through the Spirit. And what does he promise them? I'm just going to read verses 24 to 27. Take note of what's prophesied. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Oh, man, there's so much we could pause and talk about in here. I'm going to refuse, but just to interject this little tidbit here, all right? Think about Jesus' ministry and how often he talked about the washing of the water by the word, the cleansing of the Holy Spirit, all right? All right, back to verse 25 of Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from your idols I will cleanse you. Verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove, remove that heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and a heart that feels, that is sensitive to what God's doing. Verse 27, and I will put, here it is, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Oh man, that, this is wonderful. The Old Testament, that's what we're looking forward to. When is this going to happen? This can be termed the new covenant. Alright, there's a lot of theological discussion about this new covenant, but I want us to see it in verse in chapter in Jeremiah 31. Let's go to Jeremiah 31. Also on the back of your handout, maybe a passage you want to dig in a little deeper this week. The prophet Jeremiah, who we spent some time with, he talks often of the heart. He says this in Jeremiah 31, again to God's disobedient people. For this is the covenant that I will make. I'm reading in verse 33. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Jump to verse 34, at the end of it. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Chapter 32, verse 40. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. 
that I will not turn away from doing good to them, and I will pour the fear of me in their hearts, that they may not turn from me. What is this? Brothers and sisters in Christ, building on the covenants established in the Old Testament, primarily what's known as the, the Mosaic Covenant, the, old, the law given to Moses, building on these covenants, these passages are referring to the promise of a coming, everlasting covenant. A new covenant. This new covenant would truly deal with something. It would deal with the heart. We needed this. You couldn't fix your heart on your own. And so the transformation promised in the Old Testament into the New Testament is that you will be given a new heart. Well... Some of you might be saying, Pastor Andrew, yes, but didn't you miss that part about, I will make this with the house of Israel? Isn't that kind of a, a detail you need to consider? Well, sure. I mean, this is a promise directly to Israel in this passage, and it will one day be fully realized by Israel. But as we find out through the Bible, we're talking about before this promise of the new covenant and after this promise. I'm talking about the Abrahamic covenant. Hold on here. The Abrahamic promise, prom, a covenant that promises land, seed, and through Abraham, all the nations of the world would be blessed. That's you and me. You travel into the New Testament, it's very clear that there's an inauguration of this new covenant. It's here. Maybe not in full. We're going to see more aspects of this come when Jesus consummates all things at the end. But there are clear aspects of this that are present right here, right now. And when I look at scriptures, I see two amazing blessings to every believer through this new covenant. Number one, complete forgiveness of sins. Catch that. Complete forgiveness of your sins. You don't find that kind of uh, discussion in the Old Testament. Where would you go regularly to, to work this detail out? You would go to the temple, the Holy of Holies. This is where you would go, and there were sacrifices daily. There were sacrifices annually, the covering for your sins. And what do we find in the New Covenant? No, no, I will forgive your sins. The permanent, also number two, not only the forgiveness of sins, but the, the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. What a blessing of the new covenant. The permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Every single one of us who have come here by faith in Jesus Christ, who have been given salvation, that Holy Spirit, He is dwelling in your hearts right now. Think about this new covenant. Brothers and sisters, what do we do every Sunday that we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper? We go to Luke 22. And what does Jesus Christ himself say as he's instituting this, this, this Lord's Supper? He says, this is the new covenant in my blood. I mean, some of you have enjoyed reading through the book of Hebrews in your Bible. How many times in the book of Hebrews does it talk about this new covenant that's based on a better person and better promises? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're participating in an amazing new covenant. As we travel through our Bibles, we clearly see that the old covenant inaugurated through Moses at Mount Sinai brought something. It brought bondage. The new covenant inaugurated through Jesus at Mount Calvary brings 
Freedom! Why? Because the old covenant revealed the corruption of our hearts. The new covenant provides the transformation of our hearts. Something we couldn't do on our own. He transforms us from the inside out. Oh man, we're just getting going. We haven't gotten into these epistles yet. Think about this with me. This new covenant ties the presence of God. I love this. Not primarily to the Holy of Holies in the temple, but to the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Right now, maybe a passage is coming to your mind, and it's this passage. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I love this passage. Here's what Paul says to this church of Corinth who knew a bit about worship, false worship. I knew a little bit about temple worship in a bad way. But here's what he says. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Whoa! Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Previously in chapter 3, he talks about that in regards of corporate worship. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit where God's people come together. And why? It's because individually our hearts are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And here's what he continues to say in verses 19 and 20. Whom you have from God, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. What's the price? It's the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And so because of that, glorify God in your body. And some of your translations will continue on in these texts. In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're not your own. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if we've come to Jesus by faith, he has bought us. He has redeemed us. And we are his. Let our hearts be overflowing with joy. Um, Continue on in, in these Passages. I want us to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. How does Paul explain this difference between the Old Covenant and New Covenant? The temple indwelling of the Spirit to the body indwelling of the Spirit. What God's doing in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 3 is wonderful. Let's just go to verse 15. Yes, to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Okay, this is referring to those whose trust remains in the Old Covenant. There's still a veil over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Verse 17 says a ton about what God's doing in our hearts. Now the Lord is the Spirit... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. (laughs) Highlight that, circle it, put it on your refrigerator, and memorize it to talk about every day. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, brothers and sisters in Christ. What freedom are we talking about? Freedom from the wrath of God and eternal death. Freedom from the demands of the Old Testament ceremonial law. Freedom from the bondage of sin and its destructive grip on our hearts. But it's not just a freedom from, it's a freedom to. You understand this? That's what the scripture says. Not just a freedom from something, but a freedom to something. And what is it a freedom to? Righteousness. Purity. Holiness in God's eyes. This is the freedom to sing a new song. 
This is a freedom to serve a new master, to wear a new name, to walk a new road, to have a new goal, to know a new peace. Where? Down deep in my heart. That, you guys know that song, by the way? Oh, man, I love singing that with youth groups. That's where this is happening. This freedom from sin, this freedom to righteousness is what God is doing in our hearts. That's how he's transformed our hearts. You with me? Following along here? All right, what we're talking about is the joys of a permanently transformed heart. God has done a work in our hearts. I want to go to another text. Paul to the church of Corinth again in the first part of this book of 2 Corinthians. By the way, you don't often hear a lot of preaching on 2 Corinthians, do you? Anybody ever sat through an exposition of the entire book of 2 Corinthians? One? Two? Three? All right. This is a dynamic book. A lot of explanation needs to be happening in 2 Corinthians. Nonetheless, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. Verse 22. And has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit. Where? In our hearts. And what is the spirit in our hearts as? A guarantee. Wow. So what is this spirit doing? What is he doing in our hearts? He's drawing us. He's comforting us. He is the guarantee of a permanent relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't think we put these. I, I think I just put them in parentheses on your handout. But Ephesians 1, 13 and, and 14, we have to meditate on this when it comes to this discussion. Paul says this. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, that's Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14 of Ephesians 1. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. A lot of explanation could happen in that, but I want us to say this. How long does this seal last? Chapter 4, verse 30 answers that question in Ephesians. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. I love this. I want us to look at one other passage when it comes to the joys of what God is doing in our hearts through the Spirit. I mean, we could be here for days and hours and days talking about the joys of what the Holy Spirit's doing in our hearts. But I absolutely love what Paul says to the believers in the region of Galatia in the Scriptures. Galatians chapter 4, um, verses 6 and 7. Because you are sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Crying. Abba, Father! So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Wow. So what's the spirit of God doing in your heart right now? Abba, Father! All right, I mean, so much awesomeness when it comes to explaining this in the original text and, and that type of thing. But other than just, let's just summarize, summarize it by saying this. Daddy, daddy. Arms wide open, daddy. Father. 
And what is the Spirit doing in your life right now? He is drawing you to an awesome God. And your heart is saying, Daddy. My little daughter, Emma, gets up in the morning. I can usually tell if she sleeps good or bad. Because when she sleeps good, she runs to me with open arms. Dad, arms wide open. And I have my arms open. And I embrace her. Daddy. That's the picture. Dad, just like we do every single day that we're obedient to the Spirit in our life. The Spirit's drawing you to say, Dad, Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Because our hearts have been transformed through the work of the Trinity, catch this, we don't run from God in fear. Because the Spirit's doing a work in our hearts. We don't run from God in fear. No, no. We run to God with open arms. Right now in my mind, the story of the prodigal. This is what God Almighty's doing. He's running to us with open arms. And we come to Him. The Spirit of God is on our hearts saying, Worship God. Love God. That is what the Spirit's doing in our hearts. If you have truly come to Jesus Christ by faith, that Spirit is in your life drawing you to worship an Almighty God. A loving Father. Here's the truth from the Scriptures. To some degree... Or another. Every true believer will experience the joys of a permanently transformed heart. Well, thanks for that, Pastor Andrew. That's all good. But I'm not feeling that joy today. <laughs> Maybe that's how you come. A little bit curmudgeon this morning, right? I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I'll tell you, that's what I, I felt several times this week. I'm not feeling this joy. I'm going to tell you, as graciously as I can possibly say it, one of two things is going on. One, either one, you're not really a believer. Or number two, you're not walking in the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is joy. All right. Now that we've looked at the joys of carrying that 22, now let's look at the responsibilities of carrying the 22. The joys of that F-150. Well, let's look at the responsibilities of driving that F-150. What are the responsibilities of a progressively transformed heart? Let's look at them. As we've just done, as is consistent through the New Testament epistles, we have just transitioned from a positional truth to a progressive truth, okay? That is taught very clearly in scriptures. The positional truth is that joy comes through permanent transformation. The progressive practical truth is that now we have responsibility to live out through the Spirit's grace, this transformation. In other words, from new life in Christ to daily growth in Christ. That's what we're talking about. In theological terms, we're talking about justification and sanctification that are married together, working themselves into a daily sanctification. That's what we're talking about. So the responsibilities, and in order to start these responsibilities, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 18 I put up there, but you know what? Let's just go to verse 17, or we'll be here till Easter. Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit, of the Spirit is, there is freedom. 
Verse 18, catch this. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So much that can be said about this one verse. But here it is. The Spirit has not only permanently transformed us, but is progressively transforming us. Through daily growth, we, have, we are being transformed. We are experiencing more and more and more of God's glory every single day as we are obedient to the Scriptures. By the way, the word transform, some of you would take interest in this. That word transformed up there. Guess it's the same word that Paul uses in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. All right? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. All right? Um, some of the best verses in all of the B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Exact same word here. How clear is this? Well, our responsibility to a changed heart is very clear in the scriptures. Um, how does this progressive heart transformation happen? Well, here's how it happens. You're like, okay, that's all cool. But how does it happen every day? How am I going to see the progressive change in my heart, this transformation happen one day after another? Here's how it happens very clearly in the scriptures. As we daily obey the indwelling Holy Spirit as slaves of righteousness. As we daily submit ourselves to the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? Word of God. How does all this happen? How is the Spirit of God transforming us? It is as we are obedient and submissive to the Word of God. I love how this is said in Romans 6. Verses 17 through 19. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sins, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Verse, uh, the end of verse 18. So now present your bodies, your members, as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. I skipped over a verse. I want to go back to it. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. How often does this transformation take place? Okay, so it's a permanent transformation that's happening in our lives every, uh, progressively. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. What? How often is God, the Holy Spirit, working in our hearts? Very clearly, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, as some of you felt even this very morning when you got out of bed. Our man is, is wasting away our inward person. Is being renewed day by day. That's what God's doing in our hearts every single day. And he's taking his word and he's implanting it deep into our hearts. I love how in the same chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says this. Hang on with me as we see this responsibility in our own hearts. A lot of times we go to verse 6, which says, For God who said, Let the light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts 
to give us the light of the glorious gospel or the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Guess what? Verse 6 comes right after a couple other really awesome verses. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about our responsibility to grow. Verse 1, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunningly or to tamper with God's word. I mean, I like some of you are holding the New American Standard Bible in your hand. I like how that translation translates this verse. Not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. How do we grow every single day? It's by not adulterating the word of God in our hearts. Not making it say what we want it to say. Not making the word a servant to me, but making me a servant to the word. That's how our hearts are transformed. Our responsibility to a changed heart is not to tamper with God's word, but to change because of God's word. I believe this is, we're going to wrap this up. This is impeccably clear in 1 Corinthians 6. We already read this passage, but I want to read another verse in this passage. Okay? 1 Corinthians 6. We looked at the other verses 8, 19, and 20, which says this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body? Okay. What does God's word say in verse 18? How do we live this out? Flee sexual immorality. Oh man, run! Get out of there! Don't give it a second thought. Don't take a second look. I was talking about this with my son and my family the other day when it comes to these type of things. David, pray that God gives you bouncing eyes. When you see something, bounce off it. Don't dwell on that. Don't entertain that thought. Flee sexual immorality. Why? Because you're God's. You're not your own. The Spirit of God dwells in your heart. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about this again with my kids last night. Can you imagine someone going into the Holy of Holies in the temple and profaning it, throwing pain everywhere, and all kinds of profanity and vulgarity? No! This is the temple. It's the holiest of all. Brothers and sisters in Christ, how is it that we can accept those things in our own hearts when we have been changed by God and we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit? Flee sexual immorality. Honestly, as we travel from one passage to another, we could be here for hours. The joys of a transformed heart leading to the responsibilities of a transformed heart. That really, is the, that really is the theme of the New Testament. All the epistles in the New Testament, if you want to narrow those down to a basic theme, it would be this. Act like who you have become. Act like who you really are in Christ. But in our minds, I want us to go back for a couple weeks to the struggles. And I'm just going to mention these. The struggles in the Old Testament. Remember these struggles? Here's the struggles. We struggle because of our hearts to love God fully, to serve God faithfully, to obey God completely, to submit to God humbly, to seek God attentively, to worship God exclusively. Remember those struggles we talked about? I want to just mention this as we close this out. Those are actually noble struggles. 
These struggles are not just relegated to the Old Testaments of our Bibles. Those carry right into the New Testament. These struggles are for you and me today. But, let's put a big however in front of this. However, brothers and sisters in Christ, what's the difference? The difference is we are not battling alone. You're not on your own. It is the Spirit of God that's battling with and for you. If you're a true believer and, and follower of Jesus Christ who's embraced Jesus by faith, that Spirit is living in your heart. He's saying, stop it. Stop it. Don't do that. What other passage better to prove this in Galatians chapter 5? Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. The Spirit fights against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit so that you cannot do the things you want to do. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians. The joys of a transformed heart must lead to embracing the responsibilities of a transformed heart. So, brothers and sisters, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as a preacher of the gospel, you know what I can stand here and say? Keep battling on. Battle this week. Stand up and fight, soldier of Jesus. Fight your flesh. With all you got, because the Spirit of God is inside you, compelling you to battle against your flesh. So what? I just said a lot of words in this last 45 minutes. And maybe your head's spinning. Maybe we have to take these things home and process them, but I want to bring them down to two simple questions based on who I believe are two different sets of groups here. First one to one set of group, one set of people here is this. Through repentant faith, has God permanently transformed your heart? Even by me asking this gives away the fact that I believe there's some here that have not come to Jesus Christ in repentant faith. I want to take for granted that just because you came to Cross Point Community Church this Sunday, this fine Sunday morning, that you've come to Jesus Christ in faith. My question for you is this. Has Jesus cleaned your heart? It's absolutely clear in scriptures that you cannot clean your heart on your own. You can't deal with your sin. It's too great of a burden. You can't even come close to dealing with your own sin. Also very clear in scriptures, I can't deal with the sin in your heart. You cannot find another pastor or priest ever that is going to deal with the sin in your heart other than the perfect pastor, the perfect priest, Jesus Christ, the high priest. He's the one that can deal with the sin of your heart. So have you come to Jesus Christ in faith? Because of the sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for your sins, only Jesus can clean your heart. Will you respond to God's call today and will you place your faith and trust in the one who loves you and gave himself for you? I know God's pulling on some in here's heartstrings. Would you respond today? I would love to talk to you after the service. Now, there's going to be chaplains that would be up here in the front or lingering after the service. Would you come talk to them more about your spiritual condition? 
Ask Him to give you more information. Maybe you need to go home and you've received all these things. Maybe you need to go home and pray through this. But I will tell you, don't delay, friend. Come to Jesus Christ in faith. I have one other question. This. Obviously, this is for my brothers and sisters in Christ who have already come to Christ by faith. Here it is. Through daily obedience is God progressively transforming your heart. Today and tomorrow and the next day and every day of this wonderful week that God's given us. If in fact he does give us another week. Here's the question. Will you obey God this week? Through the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's time that the temple of God gets a deep clean. <laughs> you thought about that? Brothers, sisters in Christ, will you go to battle this week for a clean heart? There's a song that's been going on in my mind over and over again for the last four weeks. It's a song I learned when I was a young guy. My heartbeat is the same as this 22-year-old English pastor named Robert Robertson. In the mid-1700s, he penned the words to this, the lyrics to this song. Later, put to music. And, and I honestly think this is the best way to describe my own heart. Alright, you think the last four weeks I've been preaching to you? No, I've been preaching my own heart. You guys just have to sit and listen. God's been working my own heart over. Struggles of my own heart. And as a pastor here, preaching pastor at Cross Point Community Church, I think this best describes what God's doing in my own heart. And here's the lyrics. Come, thou fount of every blessing, to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. God, that's the prayer of my heart, and I pray that that's the prayer of all of our hearts at Cross Point Community Church. Thank you for the absolute joys of a transformed heart. But, oh God, give us grace as we deal with the responsibilities of a transformed heart. Thank you for the listening ears today. Thank you for what you're doing in my own heart. And I pray by your grace you would continue to grow us. And brothers and sisters, my friends, this morning, I'm just going to take a couple brief minutes, close out in prayer, sing a song of praise to God in just a minute. Oh, great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart. We'll sing that in just a minute. But I want to ask you this. Has Jesus changed your heart? Pray about that right now. If you've not come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, would today be the day? Not a single one that comes to Jesus has ever surprised me because 
We're so good at hiding who we are on the outside that there's been some that have come to church for 10, 20, 30 years that have never given their hearts to Jesus Christ. Would you pray that God would reveal the true condition of your heart? Would you come to Him in faith today? In just a minute, we're going to sing a song of praise to God, and if God's working on your heart, you're more than welcome to come pray with someone here or the chaplains at the front. Even after we close and walk out these doors, if you linger and talk to someone here, there's someone that would be glad to pray with you. Show you more of God's mercy and grace in the scriptures. My encouragement to you is just what I said a minute ago. Don't go through another day leaning on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's some here today that need to go home and get on your knees, repent to God, and pray that He would continue to do His cleansing work in your heart. There needs to be a deep clean. The responses of anger, the propensities towards immorality, the desensitization to things that God clearly calls unholy in Scripture, would you pray that God would bring in, reign in your wandering heart today. Our Father, we're so thankful for what you've done in our hearts through this study. I pray that this would not just be this flash in the pan type study, some guy up there yelling, screaming, <laughs> sharing. But this would take root, God. I, I pray that this would set a course for Cross Point Community Church, that, that we are not just here to put things together on the outside. Yeah, it's important that we consider our lives and the outward, but it doesn't come close to comparing to what you're doing in our hearts. I pray, God, that you would please give us grace. Help us to see ourselves as, as you see us. I pray, God, as we close out this service with an anthem of praise to you, that this would come from hearts of gratitude and humility. Thank you again for the opportunity we've had to be in this place today to worship you pray that you would continue this worship as we go into our cars and into our homes and into our workplaces and schools this week, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for your attentive ear today. I pray that God would continue to resound his word in your heart all week long.